Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. I am your host, Jared Feinberg, alongside my co-host, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you doing this evening? Uh, doing pretty good, man. Um, recording this on Tuesday night. Got a lot to get to this week. Uh, it's been a busy week. Uh, trades happen. Uh, a lot of debate on Twitter that you're going to address in just a, just a few minutes. But it's been an exciting week. Uh, obviously, a lot going on with the NFL. Players are starting to come back and report um but now we're hopefully gearing up for a season uh it seems like there won't be any preseason games so it will be interesting to see what happens over the, the next couple of weeks as teams prepare uh but uh we're getting closer to football man hopefully uh hopefully sometime uh like this time next month we're we'll only be like a week or two away from nfl starting so i uh, just got to continue to stay positive with this Absolutely. You know, like this whole this whole pandemic has really riddled everything from like everyone's daily lives, as we talked about um, in the first episode last week. Um, you know, it's been it's been a crazy four months since uh, COVID-19 has struck the U.S. And hopefully we do football. But as you said earlier, um we have a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff has gone down over the last uh, few days or so. Uh, first off, we're going to start off with the big trade that went down a couple days ago. Jamal Adams is now a Seattle Seahawk, which comes as, honestly, it came as a surprise to me when the trade went down. I figured he'd go somewhere like Dallas where he, where he verbally has said, I want to go play for Dallas. Um, not in those words, but basically in those words. So, you know, Jamal Adams traded to the Seattle Seahawks. I believe, what was it? It was two first, 2021 first round pick, 2022 second round pick, or not second round pick, first round pick, um, and a 2021 third round pick along with Bradley McDougal. Um, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, which uh, I actually saw Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network, his article on whether or not it was a bad decision to keep or not, or to let go um, McDougal. And, you know, I I thought about that, and, you know, and McDougal is going to bring a lot of energy. He's going to bring good play to the Jets, um, but nothing on Jamal Adams' level. And, Jamal Adams, what he's going to bring to Seattle is going to be insanely awesome. Um, I think he's going to be in that role that Cam Chancellor was in when the Legion of Boom was around. Um, Adams, he's not, he's not that flashy, deep safety that's going to make a ton of plays on the football. He is a defensive playmaker. You'll, you can rush him off the edge. You can, Put him at linebacker if you want him. Um, play him in slot. Play him in the box. Like he is a very versatile defensive back. Um, he's a he is more of a box safety. But when you look at the full scope of things and look at his talent and look at the tape, he is a true football player. Like he will play anywhere on defense and he'll play it well. So I want to know your thoughts on. Uh, Jamal Adams going to or being traded to Seattle for that big of 
of draft capital being invested into Jamal Adams because you're not going to get Jamal Adams every day. Like he is one of those type of players where he's going to make your defense better no matter what. Um, and there were some arguments on Twitter where like, was it too much to give up two first round picks and a player or three, three total picks, two first rounders and a player for just a safety. Yeah, a little bit, but I want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, when you got a player of that caliber, you got to do what it takes to get him in the building. Uh, I don't, I don't think, you know, you should put a cap on, okay, you could only give up this amount of players for this, for this one player. Uh, and, and when you look at the Seahawks, they, I mean, They've really been struggling at safety since Earl Thomas left. Uh, and, and they had Earl Thomas roll through, but uh, Cam Chancellor left. And then they had Earl Thomas for a little bit. So, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of hard to say, you know, whether or not they should have gave up that much. But I think when you're a team like Seattle that's a perennial uh, playoff team every year, uh, always competing, always uh, up there, you got to sure up that secondary. I mean, their front seven – uh, granted, they lost some players, obviously, like they lost like Clowney and some of those other guys that they've had in the past. Um, but secondary was always been the, the biggest hole for them since the Legion of Boom kind of dissembled. You know, they lost Richard Sherman and, and think, uh, players along those uh, that pedigree. Like you said, Adams provides so much box safety uh, that people try to label him as, but he's simply a playmaker. Uh, they're not really uh, – he reminds me a lot of Tyron Matthew in, in the sense that you can play him a lot of positions on the field, um, and he just goes out and makes plays. You know, when uh, Tyron Matthew, you know, with his kind of legal trouble and everything like that. But once he got picked up, they, they did a lot with him, you know, brought him off the edge, played him in the slot, played him as a single high safety, uh, played him outside at some point. You can do a little bit of everything with Adams and – but the Seahawks having that kind of that role already fit for him, that Cam Chancellor role, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Uh, but I think it was a, a good trade for both teams. I think a lot of people are saying, like, the Jets got a steal. Uh, you know, they got a highway robbery of the Seahawks, et cetera, et cetera. But now it's up to the Jets to draft well and get the players that they need in the building and start building a culture. And I, I don't think they have the right coach – to lead that culture, that's a different conversation for a different day. Yeah. Uh, but I think that the Seahawks got a fantastic move. You gotta, you gotta load up, especially in the secondary. You playing the Rams of the world, uh, the Cardinals, um, the the 49ers. All of them have lethal offenses now. Now you have to be able to match that and have players that can match up with George Kittle. Uh, you know, that can match with some of the guys the Rams have offensively that can match with some of the weapons that the Cardinals have. So now you you uh, insert Jamal Adams, a defense that, you know, I feel like they're pretty middle of the pack every year. They're not, like, horrible. They're not really top tier like they used to be, but they're always in the middle of the pack, and he can raise them up a level. Absolutely. And something I noticed when, uh, when just looking over the Seahawks step chart, which I do have pulled up right here, um, you know, Lately, they've become, they have transitioned from being a, their image being from being downhill football with Marshawn Lynch, um, marginal QB or 
game manager QB play from Russell Wilson and an elite defense with the Legion of Boom and Bobby Wagner at the second level with great defensive talent on the front end to being a offensive powerhouse with Russell Wilson now becoming one of the best quarterbacks in football. And there's, and I disagree with some of the arguments for it, but there are arguments that Wilson may be the best quarterback in the entire NFL. When you look on Seattle's offense, you got, of course, Wilson, who at who should win a league MVP at some point in his career. It'll be completely BS if he doesn't win a league MVP. Um, he's got Tyler Lockett. He's got DK Metcalf, who could emerge as um, a big-time weapon for the Seahawks, and he was later on last season. Um, you got David Moore. They added uh, Philip Dorsett. Um, they also, at tight end, they added Greg Olson, former Panther. They also have um, Luke uh, Luke Wilson and Will Disley, um, Jacob Hollister, Colby Parkinson, who they just drafted. Um, they're, they have the offensive weapons to really make the NFC West a competitive division, and it already is now with the Cardinals improving with um, the Rams. They've improved some, not much. Um, and then you got the San Francisco 49ers who are going to be playoff contenders for the next several week, several years, as long as they have consistent quarterback play and Kyle Shanahan continues to call great games. Um, but then you look on the defensive side of the ball, you still got Bobby Wagner, you still got KJ Wright, but – if you take away Jamal Adams, it's not that great of a defense. Um, you got Jaron Reed, who's a really solid defensive tackle. Uh, Puna Ford, um, who's very underrated. They brought back Bruce Irvin. Um, they drafted Daryl Taylor, who has potential as a pass rusher. Um, they drafted Alton Robinson. Um, looking at this depth chart, man, it – it's solid. You know, they do have talent up front. It's, yeah, like I said, it's solid. Not great, but solid. Very underrated, though. Um, they ha- they added Jordan Brooks with the first-round draft pick. That's a discussion, of course, for another day. I didn't agree with the pick, of course. I don't think anyone really did. Um, but their secondary wasn't at, is not not as bad as people are saying it is. Shaquille Griffin is in the back corner at all. He's very solid. Uh, Quandre Diggs, Trey Flowers, um, uh, Marquise Blair, he's getting reps. He got plenty of reps last year. Um, and th- then you add that defensive playmaker of Jamal Adams on the team. Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams being up there in the box and both of them being able to do so much on defense – like that is a huge upgrade, and that that shows Seattle is in win now mode. They're like, okay, we don't know how many, how much how many more years we'll if we'll be able to get back to the Super Bowl. Our window is closing, and we need to get back there now and give Wilson another ring, and give Bobby Wagner another ring, and give some of these other players another ring, like Bruce Irvin, like. Some of these guys' times are running out. And so 
bring Jamal Adams in is a win-now move. I think they're going to be very competitive in the NFC West. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the NFC West. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up having a number one seed. But, of course, again, that's another discussion for another time. Um, But I want to talk about the Jets real quick because they just got loaded with draft capital now. Joe Douglas had a great draft um, back in April, and now he's got two first-round picks the next two years. He could, if Sam Darnold does not improve, which I hope he does, they can use that draft capital to trade up for a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Um, and you know, like like you said, Adam Gase is another conversation for another day. But man, you take away him, that whole team is better, man. Like the Jets, they have the talent to be good. I think they can be good. It's just they're, they're being held back, um, especially at the quarterback position. And it just looked like at times Darnold, while he did show flashes last year, he just he didn't seem like the player we saw at USC who just – dominated the Rose Bowl, who won Rose Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he did have his struggles um, during, uh, I believe, his uh, retro sophomore year, was it? Yeah. Um, he had his struggles that year. But even then, he showed he can be a franchise quarterback. I still believe he can. And speaking of franchise quarterbacks, which brings on to – my rant that I tweeted about or wanted to tweet about so badly today is about my favorite quarterback and people – and I know people are sick of me talking about this guy. But Cam Noon, bro, people are forgetting he's on the Patriots now. And we'll talk about some of the Patriot players that have opted out from the 2020 season later on. But people seeing – now that they don't have Dante Hightower, they don't have Patrick Chung, they don't have Marcus Cannon um, for the season. They're like, oh, Bill Belichick, he's he's tanking. He's tanking, guys. He's going to tank. And he's going to take for Trevor Lawrence. I'm like, first, you're really thinking Bill Belichick is going to tank for a quarterback. Tank nonetheless, which is a myth. Tanking is a myth. I believe that fully. No team is going to purposely lose every single game. That's my opinion, but fans can have their own opinion. That's fine. But Bill Belichick is known for making sure his guys are going to compete for the win every single week. And he is the greatest coach of all time. The greatest coach of all time. You think the greatest coach of all time who is a defensive mastermind who lost probably one of his best, who probably lost his second best defensive playmaker, that his defense is going to be just bad all of a sudden. No, they're still probably going to be a top 10 defense, even with lackluster talent at linebacker um, and at safety. Well, not really. I don't think they're going to have lackluster talent at safety. They did that Kyle Duggar via the draft, who I think will definitely get playing time this year. He'll probably start, but Saying that Bill Belichick is going to tank for um, Trevor Lawrence is complete BS because, one, he just signed Cam Newton, who is now healthy. 
we all assume he's healthy. I think he's healthy. He's the healthiest he's been in a couple of years. A healthy Cam Newton with probably still one of the better groupings of offensive talent that he's had in his career. Because let's face it, throughout Cam Newton's entire career, what was his best receiving core he ever had? It was probably 2018 when he had DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Greg Olson and Jarius Wright and also Ian Thomas. That was probably his best year with a great group of weapons. And there's an argument for Steve Smith, Brandon LaFell, um, Greg Olson um, during his early years. But do we – are we forgetting Cam Newton – Went to a Super Bowl with Ted Ginn, Jericho Cotchery, Billy Brown, Devin Funches, and Greg Olson as his number one target, his main number one target. We're forgetting he took a group of receivers that are now barely starters in the NFL. I mean, Funches has been a starter, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy lately. He took that group of players to the Super Bowl. He basically took that entire Panther team to the Super Bowl by himself. Now, granted, his defense was incredible, but Cam Newton was the main reason why the Panthers were in the Super Bowl. It's because of his MVP year. He had 45 total touchdowns, 35 in the air, 10 on the ground. He was absolutely phenomenal. In 2017, he almost won against the explosive New Orleans Saints offense with rookie Alvin Kamara. And he almost won with Moe Frazier, um, Brenton Bursick, Kalen Clay, and then Devin Funches, and try and think who else. There's someone else in there. I don't even know who. I mean, that's how bad his receiving core was that year. Oh, Russell Shepard, that was who I was thinking of. He almost won that game, and that was probably his best game with those receivers. Those receivers are not even on rosters right now, I don't believe. I don't think Bretton Burson's on the roster. I don't think most Frazier is on the roster. I don't think Kalen Clay is on the roster. Evan Funches just opted out from um, the 2020 season, um, and he was going to be a key weapon for the Packers, but that's, that's a, also another discussion for another time. Um, but like people are forgetting Cam Newton when he's healthy, he is an elite quarterback who can take the, the most least amount of talent around him to great, great lengths to the promised land of the Super Bowl. Cam Newton, honestly, when he is healthy, when he has the right weapons, a good offensive line, a really solid offensive line, just an average offensive line. He can be one of the 10 or one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And just from the recent film study I did on him about a month ago when he had signed with New England, I said, looking at his first eight games of 2018 and looking at some of his previous tape from 2016 and 2017, Legitimately, you have, you get that Cam Newton back. You're gaining one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, possibly one of the best quarterbacks 
in the NFL. People are going to disagree, of course, with me because, I mean, you know, they have their own opinions, blah, blah, blah. That's neither here or there. But, like, it's aggravating to having, like, almost every month having to prove to people, like, hey, Cam Newton is a very good quarterback. When he is on your team and when he is starting at quarterback and when healthy, you have a chance to win every single game. Dallas, as a Panthers fan, when Cam Newton was on the field, I felt I felt like as a fan, you know, we might even win this game. Every game, no matter how good the team that the Panthers were playing were, like, the Panthers had a chance every single week. And Cam Newton, even when his shoulder was starting to crap out in 2018, he almost beat he almost beat the Browns that one game. He almost beat the Saints on Monday Night Football when his shoulder was literally just hanging by a thread. It like you could tell he had the fight in him. He was going to lead this team through the thick and thin. He was going to lead this team when he, he wasn't even 100%. Uh, less than 100% Cam Newton is still a very effective Cam Newton. So a very effective quarterback. I feel like people are forgetting now with all these players opting out and people are in the media starting to hype up, oh, Patriots are going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Here we go. No. No, the Patriots are going to be a good football team this year. This Bill Belichick is head coach who, with lesser talent around him as well, he can make the most out less. Cam Newton can make the most out less. They're kind of Cam and Bill Belichick are kind of identical, and just like I said, they can work with less. Tom Brady was able to work work with less throughout his career. That's during certain years. So the whole argument of the whole saying of Patriots aren't going to be good this year, I think is complete BS. They're probably going to be a 10 win team this year. They'll probably challenge the Buffalo Bills for the AFC East because they have Cam Newton at quarterback. And when he's healthy, because I think he can stay healthy. He will return to the status of being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he'll lead New England at some point. Maybe in the next few years, he'll get a contract extension. I have no doubt about that. When Cam Newton gets extended, he'll lead the Patriots to a Super Bowl, maybe one or two more Super Bowl wins. I believe that. End of my rant. Devin, your thoughts on my rant. I mean, I think the fact the that Patriots went out and signed them to begin with, I think that speaks volumes that they're not trying to tank. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're trying to be a competitive team. They're like, not. You don't, go up, you, you don't go out and get Cam Newton and say, oh, you know, we're we're not going, we're not trying to win this year. Like, it doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think based off of that principle alone, like there should be no talk about them tanking for Trevor Lawrence or whoever, because number one, tanking doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, we saw the Miami Dolphins look like they were literally tanking most of the season, and they still ended up with their guy, Tua, you know? So it it just comes down to the fact that when you have a player of Cam Newton's caliber in the building, you do everything you can to win football games. You don't, right. you don't, you don't wait around for another quarterback or anything like that, because he's proven 
in the past in you know in his MVP year and when he went to the Super Bowl that he can win football games with practice squad players basically or, or third or fourth string receivers starting. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't see why people I it, to me to me it's just like once the once people jump on something like that is like oh they're doing out purpose like first of all it's media driven it is like yeah. mainstream media driven and fans driving a narrative that should not be there in the first place which is ridiculous because you know like I said tanking is a myth and you believe that too Miami they didn't win their first what like nine games because like they were still growing as a team they they were still competing they were still being very competitive but they were very slow off the jump they had so many new players because they needed more cap space they didn't have a lot of cap space and it like just the whole narrative and like the media has always pushed a narrative against cam newton let's just face it people cam newton has always been one of the more disrespected quarterbacks in the unit in the nfl since he came into this league since he's been at auburn during his Heisman year, he was disrespected. Like, honestly, I'm getting tired of trying to argue with people like that. Cam Newton is still a good quarterback. Yeah. Just give I mean, him a chance. Give him yeah. a chance, people. Come on. It's like there's so many quarterbacks that teams will give endless chances to, like, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick, but how many times does he have to start off fast and then, like, just disappear the rest of the season for teams to right. continue to give him contracts? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, will you have, like, a, a quarterback that is like Camp Noon that's not afraid to speak his mind, not afraid to express himself the way he does? It's like they find every little thing to pick at him, you know? And mm-hmm. the past argument is like, oh, he's not healthy or he wasn't good last time he played, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, to some degree, people did that with Colin Kaepernick to a uh, lesser degree saying, you know, last time he played, he didn't really play well. You know, he's not dedicated to football, et cetera, et cetera. But that's like a, a whole different category. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like for some reason for these mobile quarterbacks that, you know, thrive running the football and can throw the ball down the field and do all these different things, it's like it's always a different narrative compared to like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or – uh, you know, career backups like Josh McCown, you know, uh, even Brock Osweiler, you know, quarterbacks like right. that consistently get a chance. But then with Cam Newton, they took like, what, three, four months for a team to sign him with you yeah. know, a, a team like the Chargers could have signed him. Um, shoot, so many teams that could have signed him, you know. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be saying this right here, um, but from what um, – one of the more respected draft analysts I know and someone who I've actually considered a mentor, Joe Marino of the Draft Network, he was telling me for weeks, like, you know, the Panthers are moving on from Cam. The Chargers are really interested in it. I'm like, if the Chargers were so interested in Cam Newton, go out and sign him. Cam Newton could have – you signed Cam Newton. You don't have to worry about the quarterback position anymore. You can go focus on getting your future at left tackle. And they still haven't really addressed left tackle at all, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, if Cam Newton signed with the Chargers, 
he would have made them an instant Super Bowl contender. He would have made the Chargers a threat to Kansas City's dominance. So I'm not sure how Cam Newton going to the Chargers and making them Super Bowl contenders, but instead he goes to New England, and yet people are saying, oh, New England's not really that good of a team. It's more like doubting Bill Belichick again. It's like, have people not learned their lesson of of doubting Bill Belichick? Because we've done this before, and it's hit us right back in the face. We doubted him back in 2014 when that team was 2-2. Two two. They got blown out in Kansas City. Tom Brady had an awful game. They were calling for Tom Brady to be like, oh, he's heading, his career is heading downhill. He's not great anymore. And then New England went on to win the Super Bowl. They did the same thing when Tom Brady got suspended, when he missed four games because of suspension. They were like, oh, New England's not going to be good this year. They're going to... Like Tom Brady, he's not going to be great again, blah, blah, blah. They win the Super Bowl again. We've done this time after time again and again. And it's like the media is wanting to see the New England Patriots dynasty fall. And with them adding Cam Newton, a healthy Cam Newton, to a minimal guaranteed contract, which is absolutely insane, a healthy Cam Newton – on that team, and Bill Belichick as your head coach with Josh McDaniels, who is an offensive mastermind? Come on, man. You really think New England's not going to be a good roster this year? I don't get it. Like, New England's going to be a good football team this year just because of Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. It's just like fans are like, they're going to be fans. The media is going to be the media, and it is what it is. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think we pretty much kind of exhausted this topic. But, yeah, basically, uh, the Patriots aren't thinking. I think we can come to that agreement. Uh, but, you know, moving on kind of to the next thing that we uh, kind of – you kind of briefly touched on. Uh, players are opting out. Uh, you know, Miami Marlins, I think, had eight players and two coaches or something like that. Uh, test positive for coronavirus for their game on, I think, Sunday or Monday. Um, it was yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday. Um, so basically, you know, how do you think that's going to affect how, you know, the NFL kind of does things? Because we've seen that games have been canceled now. Uh, the Phillies are refusing to go down to Miami to play uh, the Marlins in their series this weekend. Uh, games were canceled. So how do you think that's going to affect the NFL, you know, once – you know, players start testing positive within organizations and they have to make decisions during the week. <sighs> you know, COVID, the whole COVID-19 pandemic, like just overall as a whole, it's been very touchy for me because like I have my views of it. I have my opinions of it and not saying like I believe all the conspiracies and all that. I don't believe any of that crap. Like, no, that that's either that's a topic not worth discussing at all this is i'm i'll go ahead and say that we're going to try our best to not talk about like so like it should be talking talked about but politics and social issues like i really like no offense to anyone it's just like a topic i'm right 
But anyway, like the COVID-19 pandemic has been a touchy topic for me to talk about. And also I'm the type of guy that like, I just want football this year, like any sort of football. I don't care if we have to wait until the end of the season to, or we have to wait until November for like, a play-in for a few teams, and then we have, like, a 16-team playoff. Like, I just want football this year, college or NFL. I think we just – we need to take this day by day because we don't know what's going to happen. Like, people are making assumptions on the fly, and they're making – yeah, they're making assumptions on the fly. And I feel like, you know, let's just see what the next day brings because there's always something new every day. Um, I, and I guess that's the way 2020 has always been. It's like there's something big in the news every day and there's something big in sports every day um, related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and, you know, let's, let's just see how everything turns out. Let's get through training camp. Um, so far, we like, of course, we're we're seeing players um, either get exposed to or they have COVID nineteen. Um, there are plenty of players out there with COVID nineteen right um, right now. Let let's get through training camp. Let's go day by day. Let's go through training camp, and then let's get through like the first week or so of the regular season. That first week of the regular season is going to be crucial to the NFL. If they get through the first week without a hitch, okay, that's good. Let's get through the next week and then the next week. Take it and let's take it as easy as possible. Let's take it one thing at a time. Now let's talk about the how baseball is handling it. They basically have paused the Miami Marlins season for the week, just for this week. For the rest of the week, they're not playing until they get players, they get at least a functioning starting lineup. The Phillies, as of right now, they are – no one has tested positive for the virus. But, I mean, that that was the initial test that has come out today. There's probably going – there's definitely going to be another test, I believe. We'll have to see what the test results of that are tomorrow. If it's still no positive tests, it could be just an isolated case, and then you have to do contact tracing. Okay, where where did these guys where were these guys beforehand? Of course, they were in Atlanta for an exposition game. Um, I saw a tweet about rumor that they were probably at a strip club. So, and honestly, with Georgia being mostly open, um, it it, it doesn't really surprise me that players would want to go out and do stuff when a state is mostly open um, and there's a pandemic going on. But, again, that's another conversation for another day. So, like, again, you got to take this thing one day at a time. And I, I totally get people's health. Are at risk when you're playing when you're as big of a sport as Major League Baseball and the NFL, two sports or 
football and baseball, two sports you really can't do a bubble with. I mean, you could, but just like the optics and everything that would have to go into it, it would take months to create. Um, it didn't take the NBA long because they have short, they have smaller lineups and all that. Um, like major league soccer and the NHL, like those sports, those leagues are much more easier to really put in a bubble and you can just like keep games going on a fly in a bubble and they have had no tests whatsoever or no positive tests, which has been fantastic. Um, so like would a bubble work in the NFL? We don't know. Would a bubble work for Major League Baseball? We don't know because I mean they're already in full swing. They've already they've already had games tonight, um, or they're in the middle of games right now. So again, we'll just have to wait and see. Our guest for Thursday, which I'll announce later at the end of this podcast, uh, we'll talk to him a little bit how. Um, how this pandemic um, in his eyes is going and all that. So that's my take on how everything has gone on with the Marlins and how this could affect the NFL. Um, I want to know your thoughts real quick, Devin, before we talk about the opt-outs. Yeah, so uh, basically my thinking is that I don't think the MLB will affect the NFL too much. Uh, I think that the NFL is going to – take what their protocol is and what they've kind of developed, the plan they developed, and just apply it. You know, at this point, they're so close to training camp that uh, I don't think they're just going to immediately shut down NFL, period, if the MLB does. I will put pressure on them to do so, but I think that based on the MLB and kind of how they're kind of up in the air and don't really have something set in stone, compared to NFL, they've had the most time to develop a plan. Uh, let's be honest. So I think that they're going to allow that to play out and allow that to kind of develop and formulate so they can figure out exactly uh, what they're going to do should a problem like this arise. And then you, another added fact is that the NFL has a lot more players that can assume the role. So like if eight players test positive tomorrow for the Cardinals, they could replace those eight players theoretically. You know, yeah. even if even if it was like star forward like Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins feel like the obsess would be a big blow, but they have the players that do some they have, players. They have, they have like a huge, not exactly a system, but the amount of players there are totaled in the league from like free agents, players on the streets, players that haven't played in a year, like they ha- they can call anyone and ask them, hey, can you come and fill in a role for a few weeks while this player is in quarantine. Like they have to practice squad, which is, I believe they've expanded the practice squad um, for this year. And so, you know, like I said, we're just, we're going to have to take this day by day and we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see, who will be the big-time player that ends up getting it? Because if he gets it, then what's the reaction going to be like? Of course, everyone's probably going to be re- reacting like, okay, let's let's go ahead and I, th- I think we need to cancel the season. Like, let, let's see how this thing goes, you know? And I really like the point you brought up. Like, 
forgot it. I don't know why I forgot it. That's weird. But, you know, anyway, so, like, you know, there's so many players in the NFL. And then also you got to consider the coaches because you got bigger coaching staffs than any league in sports. You got more people involved with the stadiums, with um, the business side of things. Like, there's so much, so many people can be infected by this virus, it can spread out so fast. And we see that with um, the Marlins outbreak. It, it It's, and again, I know I sound like a broken record, but we're just going to have to take this thing one day at a time, people. I mean, we do. I, I've always viewed this thing, viewed the pandemic as a thunder in the background. I've always, um, I've always viewed this fan, pandemic as a one day at a time, event because there's always something new every day there's always some news every day whether good or bad so that's that's my feeling on it um i i think you can tell a little bit more about your feeling on it a little bit more then let's get into um opt-outs real quick then we got some record predictions we gotta do my man i i'm i'm excited for that one yeah yeah for sure uh but basically uh, you kind of summed up my point. Um, we got to take it day by day. I mean, it's not going to be something we can predict that, you know, it's going to be fine in a month or it's going to be fine in three weeks, fine in two months or, or however long uh, the season will last this year. Um, so we just got to take it day by day. Uh, but we go ahead and jump into kind of the players opting out. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, I think like six or seven Patriots players opted out, uh, which made people, you know, start the tank talk. Uh, and I, I, I counted up before, uh, you know, everything confirmed. There's like 26 players across the league that have opted out um, thus far. Uh, I think there'll be more. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge amount uh, where it's like hundreds of players opting out. Um, I think for the most part, players want to play. Like players like James Conner, uh, who was a, a cancer survivor, he's, he's uh, said he's opting in to play. So I think it really comes down to circumstance and what players are going to decide to opt in and opt out depending on their family situation and where they are in, in terms of hotspots, you know, for, for players that might be in like Florida, Atlanta, uh, Texas, you know, they might have different decision-making process compared to like someone out in like Vegas or New York or places like that. So, or, or even Minnesota like places that don't necessarily have a huge uh, ton of cases, like uh, mm-hmm. places like Wisconsin, um, so it's going to go, I mean, I feel like it's probably going to get up in numbers. It's probably going to be a number of players that increase every week. But I think generally speaking, uh, this is just a prediction. I think that the main players are going to play like some of the bigger stars. I expect like Patrick Mahomes to opt out, Aaron Donald. Uh, and, and Von like Miller. Von Miller already had COVID-19. And he's he was one of the high-risk players. He, he had some symptoms of COVID-19, I believe. Um, I assume you just saw the news, I guess, of Joey Boza. We'll yeah, get yeah. that. We'll, we'll get to that um, quickly um, here shortly. But um, yeah, you know, Von Miller, he's already had the, uh, the virus, but is he still going to play? What are the after effects? We just don't really know. There's so many rumors of like what the after effects or were the after symptoms of of COVID-19. We just don't know. Well, it, 
there's still a lot we don't know about this virus, and that's something that players and coaches, execs, like everyone from players to the top to the owners um, to the people in the league offices, like we just don't know still a lot about this virus. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was like one big, there was like one star, like a player that most people know, like he opts out for the 2020 season. And, you know, there are going to be some fans who are like, oh, well, if grocery workers or police officers or essential workers can work, the NFL players can work, you know, you got to be considerate. If an NFL player dies from this virus, there are going to be lawsuits. I mean, it's just expected. There are going to be lawsuits against the league. There are going to be lawsuits against any other sports league that has a death from COVID-19 to one of its players or coaches or league members at all. Or even family members. Or even family members. And so it, it... there are a lot, many of the league players have a decision to make over the, these next few. Um, I know there's a deadline for player opt-outs. Um, so there are players from the biggest names in the sport to players we don't even know, like just maybe some people know. Like they have a big decision on their hand whether to play or not. If they don't play, that's perfectly okay. That is their decision good for them to consider their health. If players do choose to play, which most players will probably do, they understand the risk, but they are also trusting the protocols, the health and safety protocols that the NFL has in place for this year. So I applaud the players for risking their lives, but at the same time, I me understanding if like a big-time player ends up having to opt out for the year because he, he does not want to risk um, serious illness or death. So, you know, it it's going to be a very weird year. It's going to be a very unique year. It's somewhat similar to the 2011 lockdown, but it, it's a whole different game when it, we're, we're talking about players' health. The lockdown was more just a collective bargaining agreement. This is more of Life or death. So, and I've seen tweets of like, you know, if the NFL was so secretive about the concussions that were amounted, how are they going to, you know, like like I've said plenty of times already, you got to take this thing one, one day at a time. We'll see what happens. And we hope for the best. We absolutely do. We do not wish, um, we do not wish for the league to be shut down for the year. We do not wish for a canceling of the season. We do not wish for any football to be shut down at all. College football, NFL, high school football, what have you. Um, we, we are very considerate of the players' health and safety. Um, and we we wish every player that goes out there the best for their health and safety on and off the field. So now we got some record predictions to do. So I'm going to real quick just pull up 
the playoff predictor, which everyone, um, which most NFL fans use. And if they don't use it at this point, shame on them. You should use it right now. It's very fun to use. I've used it already maybe two or three times. Um, let's see if I can access it. If you are able to access it, maybe I'm pulling it up right now. Loading, loading, spinning wheel of death. Let's see. Is it just, uh, it's playoffpredictors.com? I'm sorry? Is it just playoffpredictors.com? Yeah. I have it pulled up. Okay. Or I can try to, let's see. Reset the whole selection. My prediction is from like back in, oh gosh. May are still up? Jeez. Okay, so let's pull up. I'm going to pull up. You're going to do the Carolina Panthers first, and I'll do the New Orleans Saints next. Um, and hopefully we can do this quickly because we do need to talk about something I've been wanting to discuss real quick. Uh, so let me pull up their schedule. All right. Week one. The Carolina Panthers are hosting the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders have um, improved a little bit on both sides of the ball. Um, they still have Derek Carr, quarterback, who I think is still a very solid quarterback. So, Devin, are the Panthers winners or flat-out losers in week one? Um, I think I think it's going to be tough for them to, to bring all the pieces together and win in week one. Um, it is, they have so many new players that take Bridgewater, new coaching staff. Um, I think it's going to be really, really difficult. Now, then again, I, I could see them coming out and surprising the Raiders and really playing well, uh, to start off, but I, I don't know if I, I see it. I think the Raiders are a much improved team from last year, uh, under new direction, under, um, uh, John Gruden. Uh, and I, I think that their, their defense is, is uh, a bit underrated. They're going to have some, some guys that they're, Plugging into the starting line. I think it's going to be an offensive struggle for Carolina in week one, and I think uh, Raiders get them in week one. All right. Tom Brady, well, Tom Brady's first game, first home game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, week two, 1 p.m. Eastern, Panthers or Bucks. I think I know the answer to this. Yeah, I, I think they're, I think the Panthers are going to play much better than week one, but I still have the Bucks getting the edge. I think that just how on the Buccaneers and, uh, just how they're probably going to bring an offensive onslaught. I mean, they, they have so many weapons for, for Tom Brady to use at their disposal. Uh, and then again, another fresh coaching staff. It's going to be a struggle for the Panthers for sure. Uh, I think the Bucks, uh, defense is underrated. Uh, and if they get down early, it's going to be a, a game of catch up and, uh, me and you both know Tate Bridgewater's game. He's not he's not a quarterback that that plays uh, that can go out and score you 30 points when he's already down by 14, 17 points uh, in the first half. So I think the Buccaneers take that one uh, week two. All right. So so far, Carolina Panthers per Devin Jackson are 0 and 2 to start the year. Carolina on the road again. This time they have to travel out west to Los Angeles to face the 
Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said San Diego, which is completely normal for me. Um, so my stadium, the Chargers and the Rams new football stadium, which looks absolutely beautiful. Sunday, September 27th, week three at, it's a later afternoon game at 4.05 p.m. Devin, Chargers or Panthers? I got the Panthers. Uh, I think that, uh, the Chargers are going to have a new quarterback, uh, starting at the helm for them. Uh, Herbert might be thrown into the mix this early in the season, especially if the Chargers don't do too well in the first couple games. Uh, I, I don't really like the Chargers roster right now. I like really? they never, they, I don't, their offensive roster in, in terms of okay. offensive line play. Uh, I think the Panthers young guns defensively, I think they're going to really get after the Chargers. Uh, create a pass rush. I think it's going to be going to be one of those low scoring uh, field goal wins at games. Uh, I think the Panthers uh, finally taste victory in week three, uh, and I give them just the edge against the Chargers. Week four, Carolina Panthers hosting Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Chandler Jones, and company. Uh, Arizona Cardinals at Carolina week four. This is a tough one because uh, I know the Cardinals are going to be much improved, but still, Kyler Murray's just in his second year. He showed some flashes his rookie year. Uh, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks have those sophomore slumps. Um, I don't know. This was kind of a toss-up to me. Uh, I think they give the S to the Panthers, though. Uh, the, I think the Cardinals, like they got Chandler Jones, uh, but they're still a very young defensive team. Uh, still have a lot of pieces that, I don't know if they're going to fit. Uh, the guys there, Simmons still, of course, but I don't really know what position he's going to play, what kind of impact he's going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think the Panthers prevail on that one. Uh, probably another close one. Ooh. So how about this? The Panthers, through four weeks, through the first quarter of the year, are two and two. Very, very interesting. The Panthers are on the road against Atlanta in week five. Devin, the floor is yours, and real quick, I do want to discuss the NFL draft real quick about extending the draft, uh, so I'd like to try to get this thing moving as quickly as possible if we can. For sure. Uh, so I got the Falcons winning this one. I despise the Falcons, but uh, their, their offensive weaponry is going to be too much for the Panthers' secondary to handle. Uh, it's going to be extremely young secondary. Julio, uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, Matt Ryan still has some good years left in them. So I think I think the Falcons are going to take that one. All right. So now the Panthers are back under 500. They host the Bears week six. Devin, who you got there? I got to go to the Bears. I think this is going to be extremely rough part of the schedule, uh, starting with this the Falcons game going down. Uh, you got you got some really good teams coming up. Uh, this is probably going to break their season, honestly. Uh, I think they, they drop one here to the Bears. Uh, I don't necessarily love the Bears uh, at all, uh, especially they got Mr. Trubisky starting at quarterback, but I think that... Uh, and they also lost Eddie Goldman to... Opt out. Yeah, so uh, it's. I think I think it just comes down to, to coaching and just experience. I think the Bears are, are going to pull that one out. All right, so we're going to 
I'm going to leave both Panthers-Saints games alone. So then I I think that would be fair, honestly, because we're predicting both teams anyway. So I'll I'll be I'll do the honors of predicting both games. Um, so we'll skip week seven, week eight. Um, Carolina hosting Atlanta on Thursday night football. Um, I think the Panthers sneak one out. Uh, I think this second time around, and and you know the NFC South is notorious for teams splitting splitting divisional games. Uh, I think that the Panthers, you know, catch the Falcons on a short week, uh, and the the Falcons are just not clicking. Uh, and and maybe there it's a it's a messy game. Maybe it's a rainy game. Uh, since this is at Carolina. I think I think Carolina can can snag one here, but but these next couple men are gonna gonna be rough. Oh, week nine. I think I know the answer to this. Carolina is at the defending champs. This is a no-brainer for you. Yeah, jeez. Uh, they're they're not gonna have any answer for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, simply put. This is going to be that that game is going to be very very dreadful as a Panthers fan. I am very I am expecting poundings every week. Like I'm prepared for it. I I was used to it a little bit for the last couple of years, but a full season of it it's going to be rough. All right, the Panthers hosting Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I gotta go with the Bucks again. Uh, I know the NFC South is notorious for splits, but I think the Buccaneers are really going to catch a stride by Week Ten, and and they're they're probably going to be a top four, top five seed in the NFC. Uh, so I, I got the Buccaneers winning that one. Okay. Week Eleven, Carolina hosting Detroit. Uh, that's another tough one. Um, Honestly, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Detroit. Uh, I think that they're a much improved team. Um, Matthew Stafford is always going to be a threat. Uh, I think it's going to be just one of those just tough stretches for the Panthers. A young team with a rookie coach, I think it's, it's going to be one of those midseason struggles. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Carolina at Minnesota, week 12, and then they got a bye week, week 13. Yeah, Vikings taking that one. Uh, so hard to win at Minnesota. Uh, young team once again. Minnesota's defense is phenomenal. Uh, I think it's going to be a rough day for Teddy. Hopefully he, he plays well against his, the team that drafted him um, in front of that home crowd, but I, I don't think he's, he's going to be able to pull that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you there. Carolina, week 14, hosting the Denver Broncos. Uh, I got the Panthers win this game. I, I know that a lot of people are hyped about um, Drew Locke in, in his second year. He, he's supposed to make this big jump. Uh, but I think the Panthers come refreshed. I think that they're going to start pulling out some games that, that they probably should win, <laughs> to be honest. I think that when you get later in the season, you start getting more confidence. Uh, I think that the, the Panthers really going to come out of the bye weekend and play really well. All right. Week 15, Carolina at Green Bay. A tough one. This is going to be late in the season at Green Bay. Uh, in the element, I got to go with Packers. Uh, it's tough to win in Green Bay, especially in November or December. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a tough go, I think, for, for the Panthers to win that one. And I'll note, 
Carolina almost beat Green Bay last year if it weren't for a BS roughing the passer call, but that's neither here or there. Moving on. Week 16, Carolina at Washington going up against their former head coach, Ron Rivera. Who do you got there? I got the Panthers. Uh, Redskins, I think, are going to be not good this year. Um, I think they're they're going to be one of those – Probably three, four win teams, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough go for them. I think uh, even with Ron Rivera in the saddle, I think that they're they're not gonna be able to uh, to beat the Panthers. Uh, I think the Panthers really are gonna catch their stride here. I know I'm not supposed to predict the last game, but I think that the Panthers are gonna win three of their last four games. Hmm. All righty. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Panther fans. Devin has – he would have you if he was picking the Saints game, the last Panthers-Saints game. He would have the Panthers going 6-10, possibly if they – if New Orleans beat them in week seven. So now it's my turn to pick the New Orleans Saints. Devin, give it to me. All right, so right off the bat, the Saints got uh, Tom Brady in the Buccaneers week one. Uh, who do you who do you think uh, has an edge there? Oh, gosh. you got two all-time grades going head-to-head, both of them in the late stages of their careers. Tom Brady, new football team, new everything. Drew Brees coming back for one more year, potentially. Um I've always had trouble trying to predict this game because both teams are talented. Both team, or well, I think New Orleans is much more talented, and I think Tampa Bay um, is starting to really grow. And adding Tom Tom Brady with the weapons he has, uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Chris Goodwin, or yeah, Chris Gosh, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm going to take the more talented Saints. It's it's more of a who has better talent. Is it Brady's Bucks or Reese's Saints? I think the Saints are Super Bowl Super Bowl ready. They could win the Super Bowl this year. I think they should be one of the favorites. Um, I got the Saints week one. Uh, week two, Saints got the Raiders uh, at Monday night uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, first game at, at the new Las Vegas Stadium. Who do you got in that one? I'm going to go with the Saints. I think they're easily a better team than the Raiders. Um, I think the Raiders can definitely put up a fight, um, especially with the added talent they um, or the, with the talent they've added um, this offseason and um, through the draft. But um, I got the Saints winning on Monday Night Football in Week Two. Uh, three, I think. Believe this is a Sunday night game. It'll be the Saints hosting the Green Bay Packers in the Superdome. Uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Drew Brees. Who you got in this one? Um, I'm going to go with the Saints. Um, again, it comes down with talent for me, team wise. The Saints are just loaded with talent, top to bottom. The Packers, they have Aaron Rodgers, they have uh, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, they have. Devontae Adams, they have Jahari Alexander, they have Darnell Savage, they have they have plenty of talent on the roster. 
But I think New Orleans, I think they're just a better pro team right now. And I don't really think Green Bay did any real improvements via the draft or free agency. So they're, Green Bay is essentially the same team they were last year, which isn't a bad thing, but it could be better. But um, I'm going to take the Saints here week three. Uh, all right. So week four, uh, Saints travel to Detroit to play the Lions. Uh, who do you got in this one? I'm going to go with the Saints again. I think Saints, of course, they're the better team. Um, I really – I'm not a fan of the Lions this year. I do think Matthew Stafford can really pull off some surprise wins, and week four could possibly be a surprise win, but I'm going to go with the Saints here in week four. Uh, week five, Saints on Monday night again. This time they're playing uh, the Los Angeles Chargers in the Superdome. Uh, they travel back home to New Orleans. Who do you have in this one? Um – I think this will be a closer game uh, just because I'm more higher on the Chargers than most. Um, but I believe this will be a close game, close Monday night football game. I think this is the game where if Justin Herbert's starting, I believe this could be really the game where he could break out. You know, like, you know, rookies have they have that one game where like no one expects him to really do good, but he ends up just having a great performance overall, probably one of the best performances of of, of a certain rookie's campaign. Um, but I'm going to go with Saints here, but in a close one. By week and week six. Uh, week seven, uh, your Panthers travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Uh, we left that one uh, for you to pick. Who do you have in this one? Um, this is too easy. It's New Orleans. I mean, the talent difference, it, it's not even fair. Um, Carolina, brand new coaching staff, brand new everything, brand new quarterback. I mean, McCaffrey is basically going to be their main player on, on offense. He's going to do everything for them probably this year. Um, the defense is going to be horrible. I'm going to go with New Orleans. All right. Week eight now. Uh, Saints traveling to Chicago to play the Bears. Who we have in that one? I'm going to go with the Bears. I'm going to go. The Saints' undefeated streak comes to an end against the Chicago Bears. Um, I think the Bears will probably have a couple wins where they just shock everyone and be like, oh, my goodness, this this was not expected. But I think the Bears have enough talent on both offense and defense to really make plays. If their quarterback play is more consistent than it has in the past few years, I think they can really make do some damage. But um, just assuming that Trubisky just has one of those random games where he – Looks good. Um, I'm going to go with the Bears here. Week eight. Uh, week nine. Saints, Bucks, uh, rematch of the week one, uh, matchup where you pick the Saints. Who do you have in this one? Um, I'm going to say Tom Brady gets revenge from week one. I'm going to say the Bucks win, um, at home against Saints. Saints and Bucks split the series. Um, and I think whoever, Basically, whoever wins that game could decide the division, but that'll decide. It'll more depend on how the Saints and the Bucks do from here on out. All right, so uh, now we're in Week Ten. Uh, Saints and 49ers had an epic game last year. I think the 49ers won 48-46. Um, who do you have in this one? Um, I got the Saints at this one. Um, this is going to be another chunker. 
juggernaut uh, NFC uh, matchup between two very good football teams, two um, Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. Um, I think the Saints slightly edge out the San Francisco 49ers in Week 10. All right. Uh, back to divisional game. Saints uh, staying at home. They're playing Atlanta. Who do you have in that one? Um, I'm going to go with Saints again. Um, of course, Atlanta can, of course, make it difficult. Like like you said, um, the NFC South is very, very deceptible being, um, like, all, all four teams can split their series either way. Um, so I'm going to go with Saints here, but in a close one again. Saints travel to Denver uh, week 12 to, to play the Broncos. Who do you have in that one? Um, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. I think um, Drew Locke in year, two, in year two, he can really um, – he could do some things with uh, Cortland Sun, uh, Noah Fan, uh, KJ Hamler. Uh, I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm expecting a um, solid year two, uh, an improvement from last year from the Denver Broncos. Uh, so, yeah, Broncos upset Saints in week 12. All right, week 13, Saints-Falcons uh, rematch. Do you have in that one? I really want to split the series between the Saints and the Falcons, but I I can't do it. Um, I, I think the Saints are just too good this year. Um, they've added talent this year. The Falcons, they're going to be very tough to beat. Um, I think they're going to be good this year, but the Saints, they're they're just on another level. I think they're going to be uh, Super Bowl contenders. If not, they're going to be in the Super Bowl uh, when all things are said and done. So I'm going to go Saints Week 13. Uh, week 14, Saints at Eagles, uh, traveling to Philly to take on Carson and the Eagles. We have in that one. I'm going to go with the Saints again. Um, the Eagles, they're talented. Um, they're always competitive. Carson Wentz keeps them in every game. They always have a chance with him healthy. Um, but again, those, that's going to be one of those games where it's going to come down to the wire. Both defenses are pretty solid. Um, I think we could see a breakout game potentially from Jalen Rager or someone on the team. Um, maybe someone who came in to replace a op out if the Eagles have one. Um, you know, so I think the Eagles keep it close, but I think the Saints win in week 14. Uh, week 15, now they're the Saints hosting the, the defending champ, Kansas City Chiefs, maybe a potential Super Bowl matchup. Uh, who do you have in this one? Um, Two NFL juggernauts going head-to-head. You know, that that's a tough game for me because, you know, like you said, it's a potential Super Bowl matchup. Both teams are very talented, but I I can't doubt Patrick Mahomes. He's he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, basically, everyone's returning from last year. Um, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs um, on the road against Seattle. All right, Week 16, uh, Saints uh, playing host of the Vikings. Uh, Vikings defeated the Saints in the wild card last season. Uh, you think the Saints get revenge in this one? Saints will prevail in this one. I think they get their revenge. I think they're sick and tired of losing to the Vikings um, in the playoffs uh, over the last couple of years in heartbreaking fashion. I think the Saints get the win on Christmas Day. All right, final game here. Saints-Panthers, uh, their annual uh, Week 17 matchup seems like every year now. 
Uh, who do you got in this one? Um, I'm going to go with the Saints. I mean, like, sure, the, at this point of the season, the Panthers could be a totally different team than they were in, what was it, week seven? But, again, the Saints are – they could still be battling out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the division title. So I'm going to assume they start all the playoffs. So uh, all their starters. Um, and I, I still don't see Carolina having a chance against New Orleans. But they will be competitive. It will be a competitive game for both teams. But I, I see New Orleans um, pulling away late. So I'm going to go with New Orleans. Um, sweeping the Panthers, and they finished the year 12-4. So, real quick, I want to discuss about a potential extension of the NFL draft. With the salary cap being lowered to $175 million for the year, for the 2020 offseason, there are a lot of teams that are in the negatives in terms of cap, of cap space. So I have the idea of, you know, what if you extend the NFL draft? You like there are going to be teams that are probably not going to sign anyone because they don't have enough money to spend with or they don't they can't really spend money at all because they're in the negatives or they they're really close to being in the negatives. Um so I was thinking, you know, maybe for just the year, maybe as a test, we make the NFL draft instead of seven rounds, maybe make it eight or nine. So then you give teams more players, more rookies, more, and those rookies get better chances at making the roster. Um, the, basically, the NFL draft would be a team's free agency in a way because they wouldn't really have enough money to spend with. And teams may have to cut players or have to restructure contracts. We just don't know. But, um, you know, I want your thoughts on a potential extended NFL uh, NFL draft. I think it's an idea we're talking about for sure. Uh, Whether or not to implement it, I I don't think it will be implemented. But I think that's something worth exploring, uh, especially, like you said, with the salary cap uh, decreasing and, uh, teams really not have the money to spend like they've had in the past. So, you know, having these players that, you know, are going to be on small deals, uh, most of them probably uh, around a million, less than a million dollar uh, salary, uh, I'll be able to save teams money on, on paying these players. And we might also see maybe some halts on some big contracts. I know they're giving out contracts now. Uh, they might start backloading the contracts and, and giving these players uh, money later to, to save money for the next uh, next year's cap and the years after. Uh, we didn't uh, get a touch on uh, Joey Bosa, uh, his contract. He just signed a five-year, 135 million, uh, which is, which is uh, a lot of money. But I think that you know it's going to definitely affect how teams go out and get some big-name free agents uh, going in, uh, into the future. So they might make their players this year uh, trade for players this year. Uh, make moves this year so for next year, you know, they can have not even have a huge cap hit on some of these players. So there's going to be a lot of restructuring deals for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's bring up Joey Buzzer real quick. Oh, boy, he got paid, bro. Let's see. Joey Boza. 
per Adam Schefter, the Chargers and defensive end Joey Bosa have reached a agreement on a five-year, $135 million extension, ties him to L.A. for the next six years. League sources tell ESPN he had uh, he has $78 million fully guaranteed at signing and $102 million guaranteed. $102 million guaranteed. A new NFL defensive record. We just saw Miles Garrett get paid. Now Joey Bosa just got paid, bro. Paid. I tell you what, uh, the Browns are happy that they signed Miles Garrett early because uh, – you got to match that deal. I feel bad for like Nick Bosa and some of those other uh, heavy duty pass rushers coming up with their contracts. Uh, teams are really going to be bankrupt, man. I mean, and with the salary cap lowered, you're going to have a lot of contracts that are taking up a lot of your cap, seat, cap space. You're you're going you're going to have to figure it out. So I'm glad Joey Bosa got extension he deserves it um he's one of the best defensive ends in the nfl um he's surprisingly underrated so um yeah great deal for boza happy for him glad he got paid he deserves it um and i hope his uh, little brother nick boza gets paid here in the next couple years um and cross the panther and uh, brian burns breaks out hopefully he gets so all right, guys, that'll be it for today's podcast. Oh, and a reminder real quick. Um, the get, the first guest of the Draft Nut podcast will be joining us, um, for our next episode this Thursday or Friday. Um, NFL college football and Atlanta Falcons writer for the Falcoholic and NFL mocks. Eric Robinson will be joining us to discuss the NFC South and a little bit of how COVID-19 has affected um, the NFL and the Atlanta Falcons and what have you. Um, and maybe we'll get him a little bit more involved with um, record predictions. And I think this is something we might end up keeping up, Devin. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it was definitely fun to, to break down the games and figure out which games uh, teams are going to win or lose and uh, kind of give analysis on that. So I think he'd probably enjoy that, probably have a little disagreements with us uh, <laughs> about Falcons winning uh, games against the, the Panthers and Saints. But, uh, it should be a fun one. Absolutely, man. Alrighty, folks. Hope you, hope you guys enjoyed listening. We'll see you guys later. Peace out. Hope you have a great day.